This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock, 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 Rock and Roll podcast. Check out this record. My name is Mark, and with me is a man who will throw in the black keys for free, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Frankie D. Hey, Mark, what's cooking, my friend? Thank you for joining us on this rock and roll adventure, as always, Frank. Now, while you're out there exploring the world and talking to your friends about how hilarious our podcast is, remember to tell them, check out this record is available on Spotify. Apple Podcast and Amazon Music, or wherever else they find podcasts. God damn it! Um, oh, we're even on YouTube. That's right. That's right. Now, new episodes drip to the drop directly to your ears every Friday, and of course, all of this is for your listening pleasure. So, what the heck is check out this record? Great question, and thank you for asking. Yeah, <laughs> here on check out this record. Frank and I push the limits of our long-term friendship by recommending albums to each other. Yeah, we do. You know, then we get together here and give each album a thorough review. We also have a wide array of musical discussions, like in our Spotlight series, where we'll dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out the other <laughs> side. That's right, Mark. And then we'll get people really aggravated with our Versus series, where we pit mm-hmm. two albums against each other, and they duke it out for this thing that we like to call <gasps> Total Stereo Domination. Oh, that's right. Now, if social media is your thing, be sure to check us out on Instagram. That's right, we're on Instagram. Oh, and what about our Facebook group? That's right, we have a Facebook group. <laughs> uh, we like to drop additional content, hopefully leaving you wanting more of Frank's uh, musical insights and obsessions. And of course, whatever random nonsense my brain can come up with. That's right. Now, don't forget to pop over to the world famous tube of the you and watch us make silly faces as we try to put this thing together that we're trying to do. And again, this is all just for you. That's right. And on this week's uh, program, we're going to <laughs> dig into uh, the band that Frank's going to give you for free, the Black Keys. That's right. It's their first number one album in Australia, Frank. Mm. In Canada, Frank. Oh. And in the U.S., Frank. Oh. It's called Turn. It's called Turn Blue. I didn't know those countries had Frank at the end of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Australia, <laughs> Frank is really nice. You should go. Uh, now, U.S., Frank. This is a band that's been a major part of uh, mainstream rock and roll since the release of their 2010 uh, release, Brothers, which won three Grammys, by the way. Uh, despite their pre, uh, prevalence, excuse me, in the garage rock revival of the early 2000s uh, and mainstream rock and roll radio, uh, I've just somehow not had time to focus on them. And I don't want to say completely miss them, but look, uh, this is a band you and I are taking a late pass on. So we're going to learn a little bit about them. But um, let me ask you this, Frank, as our garage rock expert on the show, given uh our limited knowledge of their catalog. How do you 
How do you think they stack up against some of your favorites uh, and some of the mainstream contemporaries, if you will? I'm thinking about bands like the White Stripes and the Hives and the Strokes and whatever else your gorgeous little brain can pull out, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for pointing out that my brain is little because. (laughs) Oh, come on. It is gorgeous, though. Yes, that's my point, right? Mm-hmm. And and another point I'd like to bring up is for those who say we don't cover uh, popular bands. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's a great question, Mark. And I mean, <laughs> first, I think they stack up very well, if not on the frontier of that list. Mm. Uh, their brand, uh, especially in this album, is really atmospheric, bluesy, indie, and garagey. I made that word up. Mm. All at the same time. Now, those other bands you mentioned, like, listen, the Hives are very in-your-face with a more aggressive form style because that's rooted in punk. The other two, White Stripes and The Strokes, were just the ones that got picked to be the flag bearers of the genre by the record companies in the early 2000s. Snap. Snap. That's my my opinion. Sorry, guys. Uh, in all seriousness, listen, I, I don't mind those bands at all, uh, but I'm also not playing the White Stripes and The Strokes, you know, the vinyls in my house, so... Uh, do you think that uh, garagey is a is a term like Canadiacana, where later on we're gonna find um, we're gonna find out that it really is a term or word that people maybe, use? Maybe I don't know. Let's, let's get a, yeah, let's get a brief history on the band and how Turn Blue came to be. So the Black Keys uh, are essentially two lifelong friends, like us. Uh, there, Dan Auerbach on guitar and vocals. Frank wrote that in. He's the one who almost missed it. I did. Uh, and Patrick Carney on drums. Uh, and on this album, they both play uh, some piano and or keyboard along with uh, a gentleman known as Brian Burton, uh, better known uh, as the producer Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse. Uh, Great show. I loved growing showing up. Oh, yeah. Love it. Show I love growing up. Thank you. Um, uh, he who co-wrote and co-produced on the album as well. Production started uh, for Turn Blue in January 2013 while taking a break from touring their previous album, El Camino. Uh, Much like El Camino, the band entered the studio every day without having anything written uh, and spent the day creating music together. Uh, The band spent 12 days recording at the Key Club in Benton Harbor, Michigan, putting uh, the recording process on hold after sleeping above the studio, uh, never leave the building the entire time. Sounds like uh, us. Yeah, it seems like they really just burnt that candle there. They tried to record again in Nashville uh, after touring South America, um, but Auerbach uh, walked out of the studio after the first day saying he, quote, uh, didn't want to waste their time, end quote. Uh, After a vacation in one of Frank's favorite spots, North Kakalaki, Mm -hmm. uh, the band would get back together in July of 2013, this time in Hollywood's Sunset Studio, where the bulk of the album would come together, Mm -hmm. uh, with Auerbach finishing his vocals in his studio in Nashville. Uh, Now, Frank, there is one more element to this record uh, that would come to the surface as the principal recording would come to an end, right. uh, which is that Dan Auerbach's divorce would be finalized, uh, playing a large, putting a large impact of the tone and feeling on the album, as I'm sure uh, Frank and I are, uh, I don't know, we're like freaks amongst the married community. Frank and I like being married. I know that's not like a dude thing to say, um, but uh, we happen to love our wives. Absolutely. And, and, and can only imagine the heartache going through a divorce would, would put a singer and songwriter through. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Auerbach uh, said that his emotional state during the divorce um, imbued the album with a moody feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, I've never relied on music to get me through anything like I did on this one. Uh, this past year, I realized how fortunate I was 
uh, to have this thing I can do, make music and lyrically saying things that are personal, end quote. Mm. All right, Frank. Ooh. Now that we've got the skinny on how the band, uh, on the band, excuse me, are you ready to dive into this album? Absolutely. And I wonder if back in our band days, Mark, if we should have just written in the studio. Hmm. I don't know. I was a pretty terrible drummer. But I appreciate <laughs> you letting me play with you for so long. Here let's, we go. Let's go, my man. <laughs> uh, Turn Blue released May 12th, 2004 on Nonsuch, a Warner-owned record label. Aha. Um, Track number one, Weight of Love. Uh, now, that is uh, weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. We are talking about the heaviness uh, right. or lack thereof of, of love. Uh, a nearly seven-minute opening track with a big, moody, bluesy opening uh, and guitar intro that takes the better part of, like, two minutes before we hit any singing. Uh, the title track actually has... Uh, Excuse me, not the title track. Uh, the track actually has three individual solos, something Dan Auerbach felt came across as a little self-indulgent. Um, but the rest of the band encouraged him to play them on, and, and, and he thought that they left a great sound for opening up the record. What do you think, Frank? Did uh, Weight of Love get bogged down in excess, or does this blues jam hold up under the weight of love <laughs> nice Thank so I, I think this song plays like a story man and mm -hmm. and i'm cool with the slow build and the fact that it's seven minutes uh the atmosphere for those two minutes is, is really like it's like the opening sequence of a movie as i mm -hmm. kind of mentioned before hence the story i really love the tone of that bass and the solos are great and they add to the epic feel i actually thought that this song could do without its chorus because it was just i think that that potent uh i didn't really think it's needed um not that i didn't mind the chorus but i'm just saying with its length it could even be spaced out to even more verses but i'm totally cool with the seven minute opener very cool very cool uh track number two in time, in time. uh the big hook here uh, on the chorus will remind a lot of our fans of past records, uh, something the band always tried, uh, that is the band's own past records, something the band always tried to focus on was doing something new without betraying the sound they had before. Mm. Oh, it's an interesting concept. It is. Uh, how does In Time stack up as a garage rock number for you, Frank? Yeah, you know, if you look at the cover of this album, you can almost get lost, right, in, in that. And and I think this is almost the perfect song to do that to. Since I'm unfamiliar with the older stuff, I'm glad that uh, this is something that they keep true to their ethos. Uh, it's a fun garage rock number for sure. Very nice, very nice. Track number three Mm -hmm. turn blue mm -hmm. so title track in the three spot frank it's a bold move uh yeah. we get very big sound here with dan auerbach uh providing a pulsing bass mm. line uh paired with the swinging or excuse me swirling of the keyboards uh effects create a sound of almost uh floating in space here uh frank what do you think of the title track uh and if you had to guess what does the title track mean is it a suffocation b sadness c numbness from extreme cold d a cleveland late night tv shows from the 60s named guldardi <laughs> or e all of the above 
Oh man, I'm glad you hit me with these questions uh, uh-huh. for this track. As I can tell right now, this is my favorite track on the record. Uh, it encompasses all the band is trying to convey, and it's the title track, which that that made it even more appealing to me. Uh, first of all, I love the chill vibe and the opening guitar playing. Um, the the modes and the chords that that Dan's using are, are things that I try to play around with when I'm just noodling on the guitar at home. And, and the bass notes, I feel it's like they're almost. And I'm going to say it in a little bit again. It's it, it's where they're almost like loose and they're kind of hitting the guitar, so you could kind of hear uh, just this kind of stable beat, which is which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, given the knowledge of the divorce here, I think it's E to answer your question. All of the above, uh, all those feelings we get, um, you know, once you're in that point of being in hell, where, which is what he states, then comes to one realizations uh, as to what hell is, which is a time for moving on in this case. Right. Mm. Uh, so might I add, I, I didn't even like the course at first. Um, and then when it repeated again, the second go around and, and it, that repeats twice, I'm like, ah, okay, I get it now. I just needed to hear it again. Yeah. Uh, this, this song to me is, is really cool. Really cool. Yeah. Super cool. How it pulls you in kind of with that hypnotic feel a little bit more like the cover as you yeah. mentioned that big hypnotic swirl. So to, to answer the question in case, uh, Folks at home want to know if Frank is right or wrong. Oh, right. The answer, according uh, to the drummer, is uh, Patrick. According to Patrick, is is D a Cleveland late night TV host oh. from the sixties uh, named Gouldardi? Uh, but honestly, all of the answers are accurate. So mm. Frank, you are correct. Uh, e is E is the correct answer. Yep. Now the, nice. the fans out there could order me the vinyl and send it over my way. Yes, please. I'll take a copy as well. This is one I don't own, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> track four, mm-hmm. Fever. Oh, that's right. Uh, we're picking the tempo up here, Frank. Fever seems to explore the excitement and disappointment around falling in and out of love. What kind of energy were you getting here, Frank? I hope you're not getting sick of my bad jokes like a fever. <laughs> Never my man. Uh, plus, right. they're they're much better than mine could ever be. So they're welcomed. Uh, this is this is a head bobbing number, and let me just take a minute to show you. Mm-hmm. See, That's some serious head bobbing right there. It's look at that, him go. It's because I have rhythm. I you know. should you should put a brace on just in case. I don't want you to hurt your neck. That really looks <laughs> like you could hurt yourself. The lyrical nature obviously brings us back to the divorce, which makes complete sense, right? Uh, I wouldn't say the chorus uh, to me on this is one of my favorites, but this is still a song that you could jam out to. And again, Bob and the old head. So, uh, you know, another good track for sure. Definitely. All right. Track number five. It's a year in review. Ooh. All right, Frank, here we are. It's June 28th. Let's talk about January 1st. All right. I'm ready. No, no. We're talking about the song track five year in review. Oops. We're not going to literally go through day by day. Frank's year uh, up to this point. Yep. Now, theoretically, uh, we're getting a look into Auerbach's ability to deal with his divorce. Yeah. Uh, We also hear the band explore a bit more of that ethereal sound. Um, Something the band wanted to focus on was making this album less about hits and more about the satisfaction of putting on a pair of headphones Mm. and falling into an album. Have they pulled you in yet, Frank? Yeah, let me read you uh, my notes on this. I have Mm -hmm. um, eggs, two packages of bacon, milk. Oh, that's the grocery list. That's the grocery list. That said, I would like to come over for breakfast. Yes, absolutely. So listen, Mark, just call me Buzz Aldrin on this because I feel like I'm in space with these tunes. I really, I really am. And, and, you know, certain albums 
serve a certain purpose for certain people. I know I went like, you know, layers deep there and, mm-hmm. and, and an infinite number of meanings for things, but that's kind of the way I uh, conduct my life. Um, this is one of those late night albums. You could just get lost in the mm-hmm. stars, man. And this song is it. So, you know, I, again, I, I really felt that even though the content, the lyrical content is of uh, two people not being at peace, listening to it, I kind of felt that peace. <laughs> yeah. Hey, sometimes that's the way uh, dissatisfaction feels, right? Yes, sir. Track six, bullet in the brain. But uh, so we're uh, midway point of the album. Uh, the band keeps up the ethereal sound, but brings in some seriously grounded rock tune here. Uh, allowing them to really get loud for the first time on this album so far, adding a bit more of their signature sound to their moodier than usual album at this point. How do you feel, buddy? You ready to put a bullet in your brain or are we moving on? <laughs> I'm holding up my man. Uh, the, the beginning of this track with dancing a bullet in the brain, for some reason, I, I heard some Paul McCartney vocals, kind of vocal tones, which mm-hmm. is, which is kind of cool. I like the funky bass part. Uh, yeah. That you could also play on the guitar. Um, also, again, whatever they're doing, again, that make the strings almost feel like they're not tightly wound all the way. And it's they're either hitting the guitar or like the pickups or whatever they're doing, uh, I think is really, really cool. And um, I, I probably described it wrong, but in my head, that's what I imagine. But yeah, another another strong track next to Turn Blue. It's probably my second favorite. Very cool. Very cool. Track number seven is... It's up to you now, Frank. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Carney <laughs> bangs out a cool intro on the toms here that Arbach com- uh, complements perfectly with his heavy fuzz on his guitar and bass parts. Uh, it's a shorter song for the band and has a pretty simple verse and chorus, but I love the way the band leans into the fuzz uh, on the back half of this tune to lay down a cool solo and give us some awesome fusion uh, of blues and garage rock. All right, Frank. Yeah. It's up to you. Oh, now. it certainly is, bro. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the guitar riff as a guitarist. It's in a very comfortable spot um, mm-hmm. on the first string between the third and the fifth fret, which is oh, right. now very, it is. Yeah. very natural place to be. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I think I like the music on this actually better than the lyrics and the melodies, um, as that could be a little bit forgettable for my taste, but the music, which is cool about this, and that and adds to the atmospheric um characteristic of this album uh, totally makes up for it totally makes up for it most excellent all right track number eight uh let's see if frank gets some satisfaction here with the waiting on the words uh is the name of this track uh this track opens with a light strummed electric guitar uh and a melody paced uh methodically excuse me paced vocal delivery uh the drums build into the second verse and settle right in with the vocals uh and patiently wait to build the tempo yet again and a wall of sound around you as the as the listener uh, to the song progresses, and then you just feel the whole thing build. I said that kind of backwards, but I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. Uh, lyrically, thank you. <laughs> Frank speaks more enough, Mark. Uh, lyrically, I love how simple these lyrics are. He's not overdoing any of these emotions and selling his heartache uh, in a very relatable way. Uh, you got any words? Yeah, I, I like, again, the simple lyrics that he's using Um and, and he's using his voice to permeate like the heartfelt emotion. I like the use of the tremolo on the verses too. It gives it the ability to let the verses sustain and, and they make their mark to the listener's ear, um, which I, which I thought was really cool. So again, it's these little things are adding, which are they're paying attention to the details, which is very important. I think in an album like this um, that, that were pleasant to the ears. Beautiful, beautiful track number nine. Um, 
you know, I like to make jokes about song titles that reflect Frank and I. Oh. Here we go. Ten lovers. I'll <laughs> leave that to the audience. Um, this feels like it could have been a hit for the band, uh, but it wasn't one of the album's singles for some reason. Uh, we get the difficulties of walking away from someone you love uh, laid over the roots, uh, rootsy garage rock funk uh, with a fun, heavy fuzz uh, droning in the background as the song progresses. Uh, the song is a perfect example of what modern blues rock can, and in my opinion, should sound like. Uh, how many lovers have I killed with that statement, brother? Oh, at least 1,980, I'd say, mm -hmm. which is a plug for my birth year, which also doesn't make any sense at all in this no. context. But and, you know, that, that's the only thing I can think, I can think of. Hey, 1980, if you're listening, you owe us a check. Absolutely. Yeah. Both of us for 1,980. Yeah, right. Each. It's kind of generous. Yeah, I mean, the promotion they're getting here for free, I mean. Yeah, yeah. they get off. Yeah, they get off scot-free with that. But yeah, I hear a hit single on this, mm -hmm. and I think it is a perfect example of modern blues rock. You know, the, the Bonamassa album that we did a couple episodes ago in the archives mm -hmm. is way more, I think, about almost now like a hard classic blues rock album. And here, mm -hmm. the keys, uh, the band that is, are really capturing um, rock, what, kind of what it currently sounds like. And this is what what it's brought to the table. So I, I'm with you on that statement. Great comparison. Great comparison. Well, thank you. Track 10 in our prime. Mm. Uh, if Now, if we're to believe the internet, this was originally mm. going to be the closer on the album. Closer. Uh, but the band, <laughs> the band agreed <laughs> that it was a little too sad and moved it up a spot. Uh, it's not one of my favorites on the album. The tempo changes feel a bit rushed and the song doesn't groove the way uh, you'd like for a large chunk of the middle of the song. Mm. Or at least I would like. Lyrically, it's not bad, but it starts to feel a hint repetitive at this point. That said, I do dig the big old keyboard organ uh, and guitar solo towards the end, uh, only for the rhythm to drop uh, and feel a little unnatural again until the guitar comes back uh, for the final solo. Uh, what says you, Frank to Miss Prime? <laughs> well, Markatron, I uh, see. Th I see the repetitive nature start to take its toll, and when I again referring to these albums having a purpose for the listener uh, i think this is one of those ones that you sit back you let play you enjoy it in the background and to your point yeah it is one of the lesser uh, liked tracks but again i think there's a purpose to it and i actually would have ended the album with this considering it's kind of just tone overall i think this was a good way to end the album i agree with you i agree with you uh track 11 mm. gotta get away the offspring song Yes, that's right. It's a cover of the Osprey song, as <laughs> as uh, sung by Christopher Walken. Gotta get away. Um, anyways, uh, we get a big smack of almost kind of '80s country right up front here. Uh, at the end, with the, the guitar riff, uh, so it just comes off this big, big intro with a country rock. I don't know what I tried to write there. Anyways, uh, it's a fun number with a catchy chorus, but I don't love it as the closer. For the album it's almost doesn't feel like it belongs really on this mm. album it, it very much sounds like a black keys song it just doesn't feel like it was meant to be on this album i would have liked something that wrapped up the album a bit more sonically um but i did just say it was starting to feel a hint repetitive so what can i say pretty good song uh surprisingly short uh but i think misplaced here at the end perhaps a revisit to weight of love would have been a better touch here at the end frank um i don't know 
honestly. Uh, what about you, Frank? You give uh, <laughs> you giving this another spin, or do you just want to get away from this track? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's kind of out of place. I can see this as a bonus track on an extended version. I mean, honestly, like I just said, I think the previous song, um, which they didn't like as the ending track, could have been the ending track or a reprise of The Weight of Love. I mean, you think of like, the first album I could think of that has this is like Sgt. Pepper. We have Sgt. Pepper, but then the reprise towards the mm-hmm. end of the album um, or even Turn Blue, right? Because that's the, the theme. That's the theme of the album. And that's sure. the uh, title track. Some sort of reprise. It could have been like two minutes long. Again, atmospheric. A couple lyrics maybe here and there that are repetitive of it, maybe in a different pace. Um, it, it's not a bad tune, this song. It just doesn't fit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Closing thoughts time, buddy. Oh, now- buddy. I picked this album as part of a scheme Mm. to get you into a request, which we will be getting into in about two weeks. Mm. Um, So Frank will have a pick and then my next pick will be the request. Um, But my focus here was to find a cool blues rock album with a big old hit of soul. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How'd I do? Mark, you did good, my man. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed this record. As I mentioned before, when I think of blues rock, you know, I thought of the album, the ballad, John Henry by Bonamassa, uh, just loud, guitars blaring rocking however there's a version of blues played this way as well a more contemporary indie way uh perhaps but nevertheless it this was pleasing to my ears especially the fuzz rock and the guitar solos um now i'll be honest here where i struggle is that hit of or hint <laughs> i put hit hint of soul for some reason and that's where i find it challenging falsetto vocals just never been my thing i think sometimes it waters down songs however I didn't feel that, though, with this record. Uh, I feel it's a perfect nighttime record, and the fact that you presented it to me um, that as a record that really didn't have the hits you know, kind of made kind of made it a little bit more appealing in my eyes. Uh, sure. The title track for me is personally where it's at. Uh, it touches all the facets of what makes a song special. Again, these are things that I've been... You know, I play around with the guitar on and kind of really like that sound in my spare time when when I try to jam out. Uh, so very enjoyable record for me. And I give this a nice and firm seven out of ten. Oh, very nice. So I've uh, I recently. Firm. Fall- yes, it's very firm. <laughs> uh, I've recently uh, fallen in love with the Black Keys in case uh, that wasn't obvious yet. Uh, and. As I got into their catalog, this album stuck out to me for its kind of more somber tone, mood, and texture. Uh, This doesn't feel like a concept album, but there is a cohesive feeling that keeps 99% of the album really grooving in kind of the same direction. Uh, It's very cool uh, headphone experience. Definitely put some on, turn it up, get yourself a dark room. It's it's definitely worth it. I'm also giving this a 7 out of 10. Please don't think that this uh, is me taking the piss out of the band. I really enjoyed this album. Go Sevens! Um, and, and I look forward uh, from hearing more uh, from this particular duo. Although, Frank, you do make an interesting point. Uh, if, I, if I were critiquing the band as a whole, mm-hmm. the uh, falsetto voice is the thing I like the least. Because okay. much like you, I do not particularly care for that falsetto singing. It's always been something that I've never understood. Thank you. Uh, but it works really well here. They use it to their advantage. Right. It... it, it- it makes you not mind it. I mean, that's the best way I could describe it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. So uh, this week, I thought I'd mix things up and put together a little playlist together. So Frank uh, can wow us with his knowledge of garage rock. Ooh. Frank, 
Well, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> All right, Garage Rock songs. Um, the first one I always think of is Louis Louis, The Kingsman. Yes, yeah. originally by Richard Berry, I know. But this Kingsman version added the fuzz to the classic tune, really accented the simple kind of verse chorus song here. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely think that that, that is a um, precursor to Garage Rock. Very cool, very cool. Uh, my first choice is the MC5. Kick out oh, the jam. Kick out the jam. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Much like you, when, when people say garage rock, this is kind of the first thing I think of. I mean, it's 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 a classic for the, right. the genre. Um, I love uh, the excitement uh, and uh, experimentation that this song really gave the world, and 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 what it allowed, like, what it did for the genre. I think is is unmistakable because it's just such an iconic song. Yeah, totally. What's always fascinating with that band is, and I get it. Wayne Kramer is the one who always kind of gets the the, the focal point, but um, you know, the the vocalist who who passed away, Rob Tyner. I mean, the the, the guy was like totally legit, man. Totally, mm-hmm. totally legit. Yeah. Very, very like front man, like classical front man. He could command a crowd and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, uh, pretty cool. It's a shame he died pretty mm-hmm. young too. So. Um, I just wanted to say that. All right. The next song is I Fought the Law, the Bobby Fuller 4 version. So it's another cover. Uh, it was written by Sonny Curtis, but Bobby Fuller put that jangle. They put the jangle in it uh, and and like the, the blaring guitars, again, that kind of give it that, that pre-garage feel. So I always felt that this version had a little, little hint of that. Very nice. Very nice. I'm picking a, a, a kind of a different one here for our next choice. It's the Fuzz Tones. Mm. And the song called She's Wicked. This is a recent discovery for me. The Fuzz Tones are an early 80s uh, New York City band that dabbled in the macabre and, well, fuzz. Um, There's a ton of fun. uh, Excuse me. They are a ton of fun. uh, And I dig their uh, old school rock and roll sound. It's uh, garage meets rockabilly, uh, you know, in the 80s. It's just a ton of fun. Yeah. The next one, which is uh, you'll see on the script, is blank. But I actually did have something there. I don't know what happened. Uh, sure. It's 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 the most popular Dinosaur Junior song. Feel the pain, uh, bam. We probably gotta get more into, but we do. You know, they yeah, absolutely. And and their catalog is just absolutely uh, just uh, very very impressive, uh, prolific songwriters. Um, and uh, you know, I everyone refers me back to them. So I'll be honest here. I think we definitely have to do that. But anyway, the song "Feel the Pain" is again it. It has a lot of alternative rock sound, but again, fuzzy guitars. You feel like you're in a garage when you're listening to that song. And uh, I think that definitely fits some of the mold. It doesn't have to be the full circle, but there's a tiny, tiny portion of it. Yep, fair enough. Yeah. I can get into that. Uh, My next choice is actually the White Stripes. Oh, Uh, yeah. A little song called Icky Thump. I know this is kind of uh, a little cliche. Yeah, Look, it's another duo that I skipped over because they were just too popular out of the gate. Uh, In retrospect, the band and Icky Thump uh, in particular are pretty damn fun and just a a good ass time to jam to. Um, You know, this is an odd, especially this modern uh, garage rock revival where the bands are taking themselves very seriously uh the white stripes can for me made it difficult to get into them with how serious they're taking being so silly uh but really when you can get past that and just listen to the jams it's a pretty cool song my man yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh track number four is this band called the kills and the song oh. is called doing it to death oh. um, i'm not sure how i came across them 
Actually, as I'm saying this, I think I know. I think I um, uh, I was watching someone with Matt Pinfield, and, and mm-hmm. he mentioned this band. Um, but the song has a total garage rock, lo-fi vibe. Uh, the singer is mm-hmm. also from Vero Beach, so oh, shout out there. What up, Florida? There you go. Uh, it's another two person band and uh really makes the makes this big sound so between the guitarist and her the lead singer's vocals uh, i think they really got a good sound together and i like the song doing it to death the band is the kills all right vero beach you heard your name send us a check Woo! that's right one thousand nine hundred and eighty dollars uh, that's right uh my next choice frank is a is a total classic it's the kinks L-O-L-A Lola. This has always been one of my favorite Kinks tune, and I think it does the best job of showing how versatile the band really is and showcase what an amazing songwriters they were. It's just such a cool and unique number, and it really has that kind of like, we're partying in the garage feel. This sounds like a song that came together in a garage and just just was too cool to not do again. You know what I mean? It's just that kind of cool song. Yeah. Yeah, it all came together, man, for that perfect moment. Mm-hmm. And Weird Al's version of Yoda is very right. enjoyable. <laughs> Y-O-D-A, Yoda. Yeah, 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 Yoda. Did I get it wrong? I get it wrong. Oh, that's yeah. just how it goes, yeah. <laughs> so, right, uh, Weird Al, you owe us money. Yes. $980. Oh, nine, <laughs> we dropped 1000 <laughs> Oh, I, I thought I said it, but whatever. For so, Weird Al, he gets a discount. Go there ahead. you go, there you go. Um, <laughs> My next track is Valoria by Pixies. Uh, I know it's kind of alt rock, but they've definitely personified that fuzzy nature and and it gives it a cool uh, rock vibe. It could be one of my favorite songs from the band, but Valoria, great track. Uh, You you need to blare it and it kind of gives you that space feeling too. So, yeah. Uh, So the last track that we're going to put on this playlist for you um, is Question Mark and the Mysterians. uh, Yes, yes, actually. Ninety-six teardrops. I used uh, this song in another list that we did uh, somewhere at some point, uh, but it's a song in a band that I, I just absolutely adore. I really uh, dig uh, just the way they embody that early garage rock sound. Yeah, um, and how cool and fun they were. Um, you know, it's just it's kind of fun and sad at the same time. And like, what's not to love about that, right? Like <laughs> right. my emo kids showing. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, wowie zowie, Mark. That was a fun one. It really was a lot of fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do we have for us next week? Well, do you like uh-huh. how I keep doing this where I don't keep putting yeah, this stuff I love in there? It. I love the surprise. <laughs> Give it to me, baby. Hold on. I got I got a, a pencil Give it to, oh, a pencil. and a piece of paper. I can write down what you're going to say to me. Give a Scantron. I do have a, it's, a, it's a number three pencil. Oh, you can't take the test. Fail this test. I got a number three pencil. You All can't right, take the test today. All right. So this is an album. I'm going to say I'm not familiar with it. So it, it's been something that I've wanted to thoroughly listen to because it keeps getting thrown my way where if you like this, then you will like this. And this is part of the influence as a whole. Okay. Huh. And I figured, well, what better way to go ahead and and, and yeah. do it on this show? And both of us could listen to it and talk about it. So I actually I'm going into this not knowing how Just say it already. good the album is. You like how I keep doing <laughs> like that? No. So it's, a ba- it's a band we know. <laughs> See, you told me you did. Mm. And now you're telling me you're not. Because <laughs> mm, no, you're, you're just pushing it off. <laughs> well, I got to take a sip of water. No, no. Okay. okay. Um, so it's a band we know. Okay. Okay. The album's from 1988. And it's called and it's called <laughs> it's called Hang Time and it's by Soul Asylum. 
get the front door out of here. I'm yeah. you're gonna make me listen to Soul Asylum. I okay? am, I am, I am, I am. Soul, so, Soul Asylum 1988 record Hang Time. This is the first of their major label releases and two oh. albums before Greg Gravediggers Union, which got them obviously massive play so um th- this is this is before before they got popular right now early on they they're from minneapolis right so they have the hint of the replacements husker do apparently but i was always told if you like those bands you will like soul asylum and this particular album so again i'm i'm going into it where i don't know if this album is good but i want time to to listen to it so here we are here we are <laughs> uh-oh I can't wait to check it out. Okay, go, go. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review, suggest. More importantly, be careful out there. I'm not sure where the why in asylum is, but uh, <laughs> hell yes. Do all that. And uh, I uh, say it with me now, if you would, please. And thank you. You ready, Frank? I'm ready. Oh, my, my. Oh, hell yes. Oh, bye-bye. <laughs> Recording has ended. <laughs>